Hi everyone, this is Joshua Hoffman and welcome to another episode of the Masters in Marketing Agency podcast, where we deconstruct the why and how agency owners found their success and discuss a few things they learned along the way. Today I have Ed Weeks, the CEO and founder of HV Media Group, an independent strategic results-driven agency focused on delivering ROI for clients based on their commercial objectives. Welcome, Ed. Josh, thanks so much for that nice intro. How are you? Of course, of course. I'm I'm very good. The Eagles are in the Super Bowl next week. Uh, how are you today? You know what? Good for you and the Eagles. I think you know I'm going to root for them, so let's go. <laughs> Jalen Hurd, solid guy. Amen. Uh, man, can't, can't talk enough about that team and that guy. Uh, so I want to jump right into it. Um, and obviously, I saw you know on your LinkedIn that you actually went to grad school and started your company um, in your 40s. So, you know, after undergrad, uh, you obviously had a professional life um, before that. So the question is why? Now that I look back, I wonder why. But seriously, <laughs> uh, the the MBA part uh, was just I was uh, into Tony Robbins, right? I was a big uh, unleash the giant within uh, helped me a little over a decade ago, uh, quit smoking and led me to a path of of really wanted to better myself. I think the MBA was a selfish goal. Uh, it was just something I wanted to do. My dad is a uh, is a master's level uh, individual, and I just felt, you know, I got to at least make daddy proud and, and get to his level. The entrepreneurial side it was something I had done in my early twenties, uh, failed, and felt compelled to just hide in corporate world and <laughs> never make the mistake of failing again. Aha! Until I was in my forties, and then I just went 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 with it. Uh, was your dad proud? I think my dad's very proud of me, yes. <laughs> uh, and what did you do in your early 20s that didn't work? I actually was the uh, founder of a CD-ROM-based video publication in the outdoor industry. So I went after the market of uh, probably the least computer-friendly people and created a product that really had no merit but you know i was kind of like this little social network before there was such a term but i just it was an industry that really wasn't ready for it yeah i uh spent time selling software to restaurants which obviously there's a lot of restaurant or software in restaurants but they that's not a word they want to hear either so it's it just makes everything a little bit harder right um, so fast forward uh starting your business do you mind just telling us a little bit more about the firm no, absolutely not. So HV Media has come uh, full circle. So we started as HV Social Media, uh, which was an agency that was solely focused in the world of Facebook. So Facebook, Instagram, uh, we cut our teeth locally. Uh, we grew our business through the tr like grassroots tactics of like BNI. And if you don't know what BNI is, you can go out there and look for it. Great organization. Not in it anymore, but it was a great way to cut my teeth locally, uh, work with a bunch of different owners, really proof of concept. Uh, and that spun into just getting into a whole host of other services that our team now offers. Uh, hence the name change from just being pigeonholed as social media to really a full service agency. What did you then, like, what difference did you see? You know, obviously you had a conversation internally about changing the focus and everything. What kind of impact did it have externally, whether it's like inbound leads, more inbound leads reaching out to you or just your conversations changed? Like, what did that look like? 
definitely conversations changed. We went from really being almost a commoditized service of, oh, okay, this guy is going to post some content for us, run some Facebook, Instagram ads to having conversations about what we really want to focus on, which is strategy led uh, marketing, basically having, you know, I don't know the HVAC business. I, I, I don't do that, but really getting a firm understanding and leading with a strategy session with the owners and key stakeholders has helped us to to differentiate and and really keep longer tenure with clients. So it's it's worked well. Uh, the transition has been great. Yeah, I think I saw that you guys work with like a few different industries. So, um, mm -hmm. and and I think you started in like the dental medical field and then went to banks, hospitals. You you kind of mentioned this before when we were talking. So I my question there would be then you know what is the difference or the similarities or both of marketing to each one of those subsegments. Doctors are tough. <laughs> so if you look at our website, we we love medical, we love dental. It's uh, it's a really it, strategically, it aligns with our core strengths. Uh, so we work with and bring a, my whole calendar this week has been talking to uh, different aspects of mostly medical right now. Uh, so we love that. But, you know, it's so eerily similar across industry uh, that it's almost scary. Uh, I know there's a lot of people who go niches and focus their agency models and, and good for them. That's not a, you know, we don't go that. I don't have a price list. Like we customized everything uh, because we feel like our strengths can be uh, utilized across the industry. That's why we work with banks. You know, people are like banks, you work with banks. I'm like, yeah, we, we love it. I, I have some financial background. So that lends to that. Again, the medical world, I do have a background from Big Pharma uh, in those corporate days. Uh, they were Wall Street and Big Pharma. So that, that lends to some of where the agency has gone. But again, you know, HVAC, you name it. I just talked to a secure home security company uh, this week. You know, our, we, can, we can bring our talents as long as we have that initial session of really understanding the business, where they are, where they were, and where they want to go we feel like we can really move the needle for our clients. Wait, so you don't have any uniform pricing going into an engagement? I do not. How not do you even remotely close to it. And and even for the initial strategy session, people think I'm crazy and it it is hard so that that limits my scale <laughs> because you know as I want to build a sales team, I have to train them on understanding that you need to know the client first before we start selling packages or benefits or anything of what we do. This is just how we see it, right? So we just, we, we customize it as much as we can for each client. Wait, and so again, it's budget dependent. There's so many aspects that come in. You know, we don't, we want to help anybody we can within reality, right? We can't help somebody who only has a few hundred dollars. That's very difficult. Uh, but we want to help as many uh, businesses as we can. And, and they all have different budgets and are at different places in their growth cycles. So then I guess like what kind of benefit do you get out of that? And then is there any negatives that you've seen through that model? This is, this is awesome because I, I think most most times we have a conversation about pricing, it's, it's usually the same story, which obviously works fairly well which is, you know, maybe we did the first one or two for free or really cheap, or we didn't know what the business model was. We didn't know to have a retainer, that kind of stuff. But then we found our uh, pricing model. Uh, you came up, came to me with something different than that, uh, which I think is awesome. So yeah, the, the question then is, 
what like benefit again or negative do you see with that type of business? Model? I think the true benefit, and yes, there's been clients that have taken full advantage of that, but there are the clients that have stayed, have scaled uh, both their companies and with our agency. So our pricing has, has scaled with them. So for us, it's 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 kind of instituting pay for pay for performance without having a true pay for performance model. Like we can't, I've been approached so many times to, okay, I'll pay you 10% of uh, the revenue increases, which yeah, I'll do that all day with an e-commerce company. But when there's, when you're putting the human element into it, right, which is a lot of what we deal with, you have to rely on a salesperson to code it a certain way. And that doesn't happen the majority of the time. They're just happy to make a sale. So the reality is it's worked very well for us. Uh, with the clients that we worked with and still work with. And it's definitely, you know, there's been a few that have leaked through the cracks that have not panned out that we should have probably charged a whole lot more, but it's all good. Did did you go, did you start the firm with that model? So like your first customer, one, who was your first customer? And two, now they're kind of talking about business models. What did that look like? So in 2016, my first customer was for free. <laughs> we did, uh, you yeah. know, I was a, I was in a, a mode of losing weight and walking a lot. And I used to eat breakfast at the same deli every morning. And I was basically doing ads for myself to get myself out there on Facebook. And he popped in and was like, what the heck are you doing? And I was like, oh, this is what I do. And he's like, actually, it wasn't free. I got breakfast for free. So there was a barter. <laughs> so long story short, we uh, we moved the needle for him too. So that was kind of the first client that I could uh, prove that we could do. We actually got a local college to use his deli for catering by you know, Facebook used to be a lot more powerful with its targeting. So we were able to get the local college to use his deli and he loved us and it helped us say, okay, we can actually do this. What was your uh, typical order that you, that you got there? So I am a huge, simple ham, egg and cheese omelet guy. That's me. <laughs> I am also a, I, I usually don't do a protein, but an egg and cheese, uh, I, I am that person that will get the same exact thing every time. So I don't know what. I was wondering. I used to be. I used to be like Western omelet was my thing, and then I'm like, I don't need all the peppers and stuff. And everybody makes a difference. So I'm like, ham and cheese is ham and cheese. Yeah, <laughs> that's fair. Uh, and and how do you take your coffee? Uh, I just cream. Yeah, yeah, yeah me too. Um, okay, back back to I guess the relevant stuff. Um, yes. <laughs> more important than than the first customer to me. I, obviously, I think the first customer is very important, but. Um, what I've said before is, you know, that's just a data point when uh, you, you start a business with a trend um, and, and more, obviously more customers. So who was your second customer and how did you get them? And did you charge My them? Sec uh, yeah, absolutely charged. Uh, and it's it's developed into a, a, a kind of a weird relationship, but uh, it's one of my favorites. So she, the, she's still with me, a uh, local dentist who I've helped and watched grow phenomenally young, unbelievable personality, just a great person. And it was my first referral in BNI, uh, and we've we actually walked together. We have you know gone out and had several cocktails together. I'm married, not that kind of relationship, but just she's just a great friend uh, and business client who's been with me from number two client until today, and no, she's my cool. dentist. Yeah, it's that's awesome. Also amazing. The stability alone is nice. The relationship is even nicer. Um, obviously, we can get kind of closer to, to some of your customers. Yeah. And you know what's cool about her is that like we literally started running some Facebook lead gen stuff. And, you know, over the course of 
what is it, six years now. We've done website redesigns. We've launched new products. We've helped her really grow into a phenomenal practice. It's unbelievable what she's she's accomplishing. I'm, you know, as as her friend, uh, and now you know somebody she's going into other businesses, which I've been doing some of those things. So she's she's actually like kind of inner circle with me now. She's awesome. How do you how do you get new customers now then? We do uh, obviously referrals are, are a great source. Uh, we're doing some significant uh, outreach these days. <clears throat> we had stopped for a bit going the M&A, looking at different ways of growing my uh, agency through uh, acquiring. It takes up a lot of time still doing that, but uh, we're doing a lot more outreach via cold email right now. So sorry, spam world, but it, you know that we're doing it and it's it's highly effective. I've had some unbelievable conversations in why the past. Really, why has it been effective? I, I, I wish I could answer that. I don't know. Maybe people are just overly emphasizing every other strategy. I mean, we're starting to implement it for clients as well. Uh-huh. Uh, we always go that route. We kind of, if it's something that we, we've dabbled in and played with, but we always test it on our agency first. Uh, and it's, it's working. It's crazy how well it's working. So on a B2B play, it's, it's definitely, it, it makes a ton of sense and just connecting at the right time. Uh, I think a lot of people are concerned right now with what's going on out, you know, the macro world uh, in the recession and all that fun stuff. Uh, I think they're willing to talk a lot more about uh, maintaining uh, effective and optimal budgets in this scenario. And that strategy led is really catchy right now. Uh, and then just last question quickly on this. Um, what tools do you use for your app on? Do I, I don't use any tools. I actually outsource it. Oh, okay. So you're outsourcing to another company to do the outbound. You're not like manually sending emails one by one, are you? Absolutely not. I uh, I am a huge fan in the who, not how. So who's doing that really well and how can I hire them? <laughs> I, I'm, gonna, I'm definitely going to ask about um, contractors and everything in a second, but you mentioned M&A, which uh, is not something that is typically mentioned on this podcast and, and really even in the marketing agency world. And We've actually already made a few connections in that way. So in my mind, you just kind of opened up uh, this M&A space because that's that's the space that I, I work in normally. Um, so how the hell did you get into the M&A space through the marketing agency avenue? So February 2020, as an agency, we had our single best month. Mm. And if anybody here can go back in time, which seems like it was 100 years ago for some reason, uh, the very next month, we had one of our worst months uh, since we were in B&I at the diner pitching our services. Uh, lots of people panicked. Obviously, that was pandemic onset. Everything shut down. Uh, there was refund conversation. There was a lot going on in the world that almost honestly almost made me say, maybe it's time to, you know, I've spent all this time growing. Maybe I'm done. Uh, but luckily I found, uh, a course that I, that I got involved with and my relationship has gone well beyond a course now, but really led me into the world of, uh, acquisition and M and A and with a wall street and financial background in my youth, that it was kind of an interesting thing to think about from not just growing by consistently selling, uh, you know, individuals and, and businesses to come in for agency work, but. Now to think about buying other agencies, it's where it all started. And we've been, I bought an e-commerce company. I continue to negotiate and have lots of conversations inside of the world of digital marketing, 
and hopefully we find uh, we're running parallel with someone right now, which means we're both kind of getting to a certain number. And then we're going to have that conversation in a few months uh, about aligning. And that would be awesome. Uh, he's a powerful, unbelievable marketer. Uh, but yeah, that's how I got into it. And it's something that I passionately pursue now. I put a lot of my own personal money into developing uh, the network that I have now to do it. What are you What are you looking for then um, in a potential acquisition? We're looking for the people who got to the same points that we've been, and now we know how to go above and beyond that. Right? Really, that person who's I'm guessing maybe has a team, and that team can include a person or two that they pay all the time, contractors. You know, you're looking for that team that's probably six to eight uh, that has gotten revenue maybe past. 2 million, maybe a bottom line of four or 500 grand. Those are the people that we can really help. We can help them from the internal perspective. Uh, if they're spending way too much money to fulfill, we can have those conversations and the external uh, abilities to, to grow and scale or, or what my network is all about. Again, I said, who, not how I don't physically do this, but I have a team that is well beyond my uh, capabilities in that space to deliver. So are you, uh, I don't know if you know the answer to this, but are you acquiring to expand your services or grow the current services that you have? I would say a lot of my initial acquisition, and that's why I've been so brutally tough on it, uh, was around what I would call aqua hire. Uh, Basically, right? right? Acquiring to hire the full team because we're going to get to there eventually with the outsourcing side of this. Uh, but with that being said, like that's that was the initial, and that's been a lot of time doing that. Now it's just looking at components that we could be better in. Like my immediate need is SEO side, so like I am all into talking to a whole bunch of SEO uh, firms uh, because a lot of what we're really good at offsets a lot of the turnover that happens inside of an SEO business. So it's a really good marriage and can be a nice platform to to develop out. Please use this as your tool to get the word out. Uh, uh, yeah, say anything. I'm not shy about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, please do. Like my next question is literally uh, for anyone that wants to, you know, is open to being in, in an aqua hire. Maybe you know, maybe they just don't have the revenue that is going to be attractive for an acquisition. But obviously, they know that they're talented. Uh, maybe they have a talented team. How do you think they should prep their company um, to be acquired? Mainly, if it's more of an aqua hire. Is there anything they can do? They they have to make it as professional as they can, right? This is why what I've been doing for a couple of years has taken so long. I, I've probably wasted way too much, no offense to any brokers in the world, but a lot of some of what I've seen out there is really lifestyle businesses. You dive in and then you look at it and they've created nothing but a lifestyle business. They have team but they don't even pay themselves. They, there's a lot of things that go on that, that make it a really, really difficult M&A transaction. For me, much like with clients, I don't care if you're doing 400 grand in revenue and you feel like that's, you know, there's, there's the ability to, if you're into a bigger platform, the vision of something bigger, look, I'm doing that to eventually sell the entire thing with all my partners, which includes anybody we buy. If they're into that vision, then we're willing to have a conversation. It's that simple. So hit up Ed. Uh, Absolutely. At any point. And 
thanks to some of, of our conversation and the connections, I'm having conversations with other people that are just starting to look at the M&A side. I am freely open to help them do that as well. There's so much that I'm an abundant mindset, right? There's so much opportunity out there to, to help other agencies go this model. Absolutely love it. It's, it, it, it just allows me to share what I've learned and helps other people in the space. Oddly enough, the very first person you sent to me is within 30 miles of where I am. So it's perfect. Get out. Oh, that's I, oh I'm not getting out. I refuse to get out. <laughs> I'm here to stay. That's no, amazing. awesome. Awesome oh, stuff. That's too we have a, I think I saw that in the email, but I didn't realize that. Um, yeah, we have a meeting. We have a meeting next week. So it's awesome. Love it. I was also going to say, be careful what you say about brokers. Uh, I just moved over to that side. So uh, my, my separate. Shower. No, listen, separate yourself. <laughs> like do the bang up job that most of them aren't doing. Right. I'm not. Look, there's great ones out there. Those are few and far between. If you're a great broker, I'm going to do work with you, bro. It's you know, I, not to, one thing that I try to do now, that especially that we're starting, is um, I very specifically ask at the end of my calls with a potential buyer. I say, "Hey, look, like I was on your side, you know, last year on, on the seller or on the buyer side. Um, what's what do you not like about brokers?" Uh, and I and I'm obviously trying to just be better, essentially, uh, with, with asking that question. And they actually get surprised. I when I was also co-founded a few other companies, I would always ask, you know, if this is going to fail, why do you think this is going to fail? And what I realized that does is it actually opens the person up to answering the question honestly, because when you just ask for feedback, people don't like giving their true feedback or constructive criticism. So I've noticed that, yeah, asking the, if this is going to fail, like very aggressively asking that and saying like, Hey, look, I'm, I'm looking for this answer. Uh, it kind of, you get a much better answer. So I don't know if you have any thoughts on that or if I should just move on. Well, I think actually, as you were talking, you asked me a question that I didn't really answer and I want to answer that, which kind of leads to how to be a better broker and how to be a better business owner, right? I think a lot of what comes in and I don't care where you are, you want to be aqua hired, you want to be hired, you want to join a better platform. Getting your financials in order is probably one of the best things that anyone out there could do in any business forget about marketing in any business and that is usually the biggest stumbling block because when you actually come in with a team because i don't do my due diligence my team comes in and goes through it and when they come out and say this company's actually losing 180 grand a year because they're not factoring this 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 and they're actually doing their accounting completely wrong and they're not right you're all that accounting talk i hate it but you got to know it but the reality is a lot of people don't they put revenue in when they bill it, which is not correct. It should be when services are done, right? There's so many variables to that. So it often leads to just like really bad financial statements that don't work for an acquisition. So again, those are the things that you can you can talk to any, either one of us about and, and get a much better uh, package and, and company together that can be bought. I think you bring up something essential there because that's the biggest issue that's not only the biggest it's it's what slows everything down um you can take a several week process and turn into a several month process just not by not having financials um you know sometimes it might cost a little bit to clean up your financials prior to going into like an acquisition or or starting to think about it but to be honest i think it is you're going to save yourself time you're probably going to save yourself money most importantly you're probably just going to learn about your business and and where you can improve top line bottom line all that kind of stuff so um, I 
other than being a finance major for maybe one month, uh, I didn't used to have too much of a finance background until I truly learned about the importance of it. Um, and not just having a CPA on the team like I have had before, but understanding yourself. And then again, especially when you're looking at acquisition where you can improve top line, bottom line, cogs, all that kind of fun stuff. So love it. And I think what you said is there's a key component to it. Yes, it's going to cost you some money, but it's not going to cost you nearly as much as it would in the valuation your company gets. That's the reality that people don't get. It's, that's the big thing when you're going to PE, right? PE comes in and gives you an offer and then they destroy everything and give you this little offer. And we don't, you know, we want to avoid all that stuff. The last question on this then, unless we, I accidentally started asking. Absolutely. Sorry. Uh, no, no. I, I mean, of course I love this. Um, do you know what kind of multiples are being discussed in the market right now? I, I know more e-commerce space, um, which is obviously not this. So do you have any, are multiples being put on EBITDA, um, top line revenue? Like what, what does that look like? Do you, do you have any insight? I do. So for me, if you're going SDE, which is a lot of the smaller companies we look at, you're realistically, if you're depending on your number, but this put a number of two to two and a half out there, you have a very good chance of being bought by somebody good and being able to grow. If you're above that, you can get in. I'm a guy who likes seller's terms, right? Your terms, my terms for financing this deal. And then we'll have a conversation on those aspects, right? I'll agree to terms that maybe are in skew of the guy selling, but we're going to get really good terms for me as the buyer. Uh, other than that, I mean, in the EBITDA world, it really just depends on numbers where you are in the spaces that we're looking at. Three is on the, I mean, of course we always look, especially if it's somebody who wants to do a, a real platform build with us. We'd much rather them understand the conversation around let's get this deal done and let's save our powder for uh, really migrate, you know, integrating us and getting us ready to do more deals and grow. Like those are awesome conversations. And again, I'm not trying to screw anybody. It's just the reality of business and what we want to do together. And if the vision is there together, I think great things can happen. couple notes there. Uh, first on the screwing somebody. Um, you know, of course, when you're getting into things with contracts and finances and lawyers, you, you're always, lawyers. everyone should be aware of not getting screwed naturally. Um, but I think in the in the situation where especially the owners and the employees are coming on board, um, at the end of the day, it's not like the buyer wants to screw you over, right? Like we're trying to bring this harmonious relationship together. We don't want to start it off with screwing someone over. So, yes, obviously, everyone should be aware of it. Um and should be even more aware of it because they're, they're trying to do it. Maybe it's not a good fit in, in the beginning anyway. Um, and then I just wanted to quickly define SDE, uh, seller's discretionary earnings, correct, which is essentially your uh, either your net profit or your EBITDA minus the addbacks. And addbacks can be things like um, the employee's salary if they're not coming on board. Maybe things like car payments or cell phone payments are going through the company and they're no longer going to be a payment um, moving over. So uh, is that correct? SDE is what you're, what you're saying there? Yeah, be careful of the, of the ad backs, right? I've seen ad backs where I'm like, wait a minute, like your salary, if you're leaving, right? If you're leaving, I got to replace you with someone on my team, which means salary is coming back in. So it, it's always, there's, those are just fun and interesting conversations. That's, but where yeah, game, that's where some of the game starts to get played. You know, at the end of the yeah, day, you know, that goes, goes along with this. Um, you know, what's interesting, what I've found though, honestly, in talking to, now hundreds of, of companies in this space, a lot of people don't want to sell. 
right? They really don't want to sell. They want, they're just stuck and they want to get bigger, right? That's why I think the whole idea of almost rolling up makes a lot more sense. I can give you a great example of something I worked on without mentioning any names. It was a much larger content play. Phenomenal. Working with the IBMs and the Netflix of the world, right? Got introduced to a broker, had many conversations, and ultimately, the guy didn't want to sell. He wanted to understand how to not just do content, but also how to be the media person. And the the other aspects of content that he could do that he wasn't getting, and he wanted more hooks into his uh, clients. hate to use that word, but that's exactly what it is. It makes you more stable. And that's why the conversation went on as long as it did with him, because he just ultimately didn't want to sell. So maybe there's another answer to this. Um, what do you not like about brokers and wish they did better? <laughs> Keep I, speak freely. As I think a lot of time, you know, I think there is, there's a lot of misconception about, let's say, creative financing that a broker, I always want to pay a good broker. So that part of it is, you know, that's kind of the, the easier fees to pay, right? I just wish more brokers would be apt to understanding why, you know, seller financing can work. Not all of it, but a piece of it can be seller financing. It's better tax-wise. Uh, it's showing that I think the seller believes in their company, especially if they want to leave. If they want to stay, that's a different conversation. But that's all. I mean, I really just, they get crazy with uh, NDAs, which what is really an NDA? I don't know, but uh, I know it's non-disclosure agreement. I get it. But then <laughs> wanting to dive into my full personal uh, financial picture, I might not like any of the companies you have. I just think it's, it, and I get it because there's so many people inquiring about certain things that probably can't ever afford it. But gosh, just like, I, I think it could be a much better uh lead in then then give me your finance imagine if you if i did that in a cold outreach with a company give me your financials i was now. just saying you are you are not getting around our ndas unfortunately no i sign them i have no problem signing them. i'm not trying to go around anybody i just think when they start going in a full financial disclosure like wow dude i don't know you i don't even know if i like your companies like come on that's me no, no, I hear you. Um, again, I, I played, I played buyer side, and, and now just broker. You know side. both sides. I, uh, <laughs> uh, I, hopefully, seller side. Well, I guess we got acquired, so I was on the seller side as well. There you um, go. If you had to teach something to other marketers, what would it be? Changing the subject here. Sorry. No, that's fine. We should get back to the marketing side. I would teach them that strategy led component. I think far too many want to cut to the chase and just dive into the execution without really understanding their clients. Uh, this I'll take a knock for. If there's anyone, the other piece to this, I'll take a knock for. I understand riches are in niches, but that doesn't mean you should just cookie cut everything you put out there because I have so many conversations with companies that want to leave that personal injury attorney agency that does the same thing for eight 133 clients eventually they know and they see other ads and they're like well that's the same thing so uh, that cookie cutter approach you could still dive into a niche without having to be that cookie cutter and strategy led those are the two things and what do you enjoy talking about the most that you normally don't get an opportunity to discuss it, it can be marketing it doesn't have to be i usually wow, say wow that's an interesting question i've never been asked that before 
That's very interesting. And you know, I, I mean, honestly, I, I love to talk about <laughs> my kids. Uh, they make me super proud as a dad. They're my why. I mean, I, I have two wonderful daughters and a younger son, and they're just like some of their accomplishments during both of my kids played at a high level of uh, college sports. Uh, I, I don't spend enough time giving them credit. And, you know, they're 25, 23, my daughters, and it's it's not easy out in that world, right? So hopefully if they see this, they understand how proud I am and, and something I don't often get to talk about, but certainly could spend the next four or five hours. Uh, that would be it. I, I love I gonna... my wife, too. I love her, too. I can't leave her out of this just in case. <laughs> I was gonna say now you can now you can properly send them over this uh, this interview and, and exactly talk. you're gonna get three new viewers, bro. <laughs> That's right. Uh, are you guys looking to hire any positions right now? Always, uh, always interested in that. I am adamantly uh, getting after uh, the build out of our sales side of this. So even like VP of sales, and then you know maybe my price structure changes then, uh, or maybe my VP sales can can align with that. That to me is really important. Uh, and always then always open to anyone in this business. Perfect. And last question: uh, any book or podcast recommendations? It can be in marketing, business, doesn't have to be related to anything. Wow! Again, great. So. Oh, I'm going to forget the name of the book. But first off, I, I, I talked about Who Not How. Who Not How sounds simple. Great book. Uh, it's a great book to read. Oh, don't let me forget it. And I, I'm going to pull up. So you're going to have to bear with me one second because this to me is one of my – and it's got nothing to do with business. It's just personal choice that I think is amazing. And that is – oh, oh, there's two. The Power of One More by Ed Milet. I love. I've listened to it literally 30 times since I've had it. And anything by uh, Michael Singer, Living Untethered, uh, I think is a book that can really change uh, your perspective on a lot of things that go out there and get people all fired up about nothing. Per, we're we're going to put these in the show notes. What was that last one again? Living Untethered. Untethered. Michael Singer. And he has a couple other ones. It, it's It's good. It's totally... Uh, you know, it's a little out there, but it's really, it can really shift uh, your mind uh, to open it for sure. I think both of us are a little bit out there. So uh, that's, that's <laughs> you gotta be bro. Sound on par. And I think anyone that's getting to the end of this episode might be as well. So that'll be a perfect fit for, uh, for them. Amen. <laughs> uh, and as we do come up to the end of the episode, I just want to give you an opportunity to, you know, mention how people can find you and, and anything else you'd like to end with. You can literally search Ed Weeks junior jr and find me on any uh there's a happens to be a london-based actor ed weeks who gets a lot more uh of the seo say, than i want i was gonna say it's not like the most uncommon name not that you know i i type in josh hoffman and, and i a rugby player shows up so uh so ed weeks junior you find me that's the easiest way uh, i respond to everything nobody else does so it is me awesome and uh i just want to thank everyone for listening if you learned something new from this episode, please consider giving us a like or follow uh, so we can continue getting the highest quality guests. And as always, I hope everyone has a successful day. Thank you, Ed. Thanks for listening to the Masters in Marketing Agency podcast. I hope you got a ton of value out of this episode. And before we go, I just want to thank our sponsors, DevNoodle. DevNoodle provides marketing agencies with the ability to offer their clients unlimited website design, build, and management services with fixed monthly plans. If website design, development, and maintenance is holding your agency back from growing, please reach out to us at devnoodle.com. 
where we make websites easy, easy for you and easy for your clients, devnoodle.com.